they announced all the teachers will be there all the time. And if we teach remotely, we will be teaching remotely from school. I, 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 do you remember at the beginning of April when you're all like, Hey, teachers, you work real hard. Like, we're sorry. We treated you bad. Where did that go? Like how quickly did we forget that? This episode of It Will Probably Be Okay was recorded on July 21st, 2020. All right. Welcome to It'll Probably Be Okay, a podcast where three friends dive deep into a topic. Is it rhetoric? Is it genius? That's for you to decide. I'm Nick, and I am so tired of this pandy. <laughs> I have to catch it. I'm COVID-19 negative. (laughs) And my name is Gabe Wollenberg. I am still not working very hard. (laughs) So today on the show, we're going to talk about embarrassing job stories. And I've asked my co-host to think about a few stories that they have to share. And I've got a couple that I'm embarrassed and excited to share. But before we jump into that, let's start with mini topics. Nakenji, what do you got for us? Oh, God. Um, <clears throat> if I had to choose, uh, what's currently angsting me up? I'm sorry, my main topics are always going to be things that angst me up. <laughs> but right now, the stuff that's going on in Portland is just, it's just, it's insane. Yes. But they're like, these moms who are now marching are like marching yeah. en masse. And everyone is just like so enthralled, like, oh my gosh, the moms are here. And they all, because my Twitter feed, feed is like black Twitter, like it's shadow side of Twitter, but like I try to like also be involved on other parts of Twitter. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> the last 20 minutes, like, like two hours ago, like the conversations kind of turned to like, and I think rightfully so, the idea of black mothers have been showing up and protesting en masse since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And there is no recognition of their the, the softness of motherhood and this power of motherhood has been attributed to like the moms who are showing up um, in Portland. And I think it's, it's really, really aggravating how pervasive white supremacy is. I don't feel like people who are in awe of the spectacle that is happening now, I don't feel like if they're necessarily like bad human beings, but I do hope that they will would re- reflect on the fact that like they were not similarly in awe when black mothers were marching and leading marches for their slain children or mm-hmm. kidnap children or whatever the issue was and a lot of people on twitter kind of like talk about how like there's this juxtaposition not just is it a juxtaposition people don't reflect on the fact that it's highly performative and it's like okay well if you're a white ally who happens to be a mother like i also don't fault you for showing up and showing out like But I do wish people would reflect on how, like, whenever people say, like, what about black on black crime? 
they they simply don't know that whenever there is black on black crime like the community is in uproar black mothers are the first to show up and show out but Mm -hmm. like no one bothers to listen to them or acknowledge them or are similarly in awe of them and so when they turn up at protests there's also this added like well why don't they work on their stuff in their community and it's like they do if you lived in the community you would know but you don't and so everybody's just in awe of like and like like when they see these videos of like singing their lullabies and you know it's all it's quite brave work like i don't discredit their work quite brave work but just to see people just like gosh i've never seen anything like this and like oh my god this is amazing and the mothers are here like like you can't you can't possibly like act badly with mothers around and say, well, no, you can't act badly with white people around. But <laughs> the difference here is, is that they're still acting badly. There's this TikToker who is studying to be a medical doctor, I think, or is, no, I, I don't think she's a medical doctor yet, but she had her TikToks are her calling out the racism in medical practice, like how, there's medical reasons that are purely racist that are not science-based. People like to think that kidney function works differently in black people than white people. And they're, and then there's like a, a really long thread of black people talking on Twitter about how like they're, they're literally pissing black. But because it's within normal levels for black creatine levels, like they don't get any treatment and they can't get a new kidney because that is below pissing black. But anyway, it turns out, and I got this from Twitter, the person she dated called her out, but this is a woman who portrays herself as an ally, which is why I always cite allies, and I feel bad for allies, but like, this is, this is, I mean, (laughs) she, in an argument that she had with her ex at the time, her uh, boyfriend at the time, she threatened him by saying, I am going to call the police. Who do you think they will believe? Oh, gosh. Uh, among other things. But for me, that was like the, like, you weaponized your white, not your, your white, she's Asian, your white adjacentness. You weaponized that. And it, like, this way, and then I can't help but think about all the white mothers showing up in Portland, and like, how are their activities in their day-to-day? Like, well, how are you furthering injustice for people of color? Like, I... And I hate that I have to be such a cynic. I hate it. I, I hate it. Uh, uh, part of me feels, though, Nikenji, it's basically the only reasonable reaction for people that have seen this happening and these types of things happening. And now, now it seems like a portion of the population is waking up to it. How can you? How could someone in your shoes not be cynical? You know, I mean, I, I don't think you should feel bad about that. I still feel bad. It's just exhausting. Like, I would like to be able to be like, gosh, good for her. And then not have, like, two days later, it show up that that person's a racist piece of shit just three years ago. Like, yeah. It's, you know, we've on, we're on the tail end here of four months of really, of, of, 
crisis management moment to moment looking over your shoulder. And so we're all exhausted. I joke about not working very hard, but the reality is I'm, I'm beat at the end of every day. Like I am exhausted by the end of the day. And it's not just because I'm out working hard in the yard. It's because I'm out working hard in the yard and thinking about going back to school and thinking about, Oh my God, this guy, I got her mask on and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like we all are, I think reasonably exhausted and, want to are, are craving like that escape but like we used up we used up the tiger guy that's done yeah <laughs> like right. the escape stuff is, is not we we used it up and so along those lines i uh will transition if i may into my mini topic for today which is one of those media recommendations that we make sometimes. Hmm. A year ago, spring semester of 2019, I decided to teach my English class a novel. And I thought it would be a lot of fun to not necessarily teach a great novel, but a novel that I knew would have some relevance in the future for those students. And I feel so sad that it's so relevant but that novel is cory doctorow's little brother cory doctorow's little brother is a novel about four teenagers in san francisco who in the aftermath of a terrorist attack defend themselves against the department of homeland security's black vans and white vans sneaking around and arresting and charging and hiding away children who are protesting It's not a great book. It's not, I mean, I love it. Like it's a, it's a good read, but it's not a super readable book because Dr. O, when he wrote it, had an ulterior motive, which was also to apply and make available thought technologies for young readers about questioning authority and using technology to get around censorship and body tracking. So there are chunks of the novel that read a lot like a how-to manual, like how to install a secret version (laughs) of Linux. But like the novel itself is still pretty good when you get away from it and really scary when you think about what's happening right now in Portland. So for that reason, I am recommending that you should read the Dr. O novel, Little Brother. I don't know about you guys, but I can't read recreational fiction right now. I just can't. Mm -hmm. This, I think, is recreational fiction, but it has that currency that I think make it something that people might enjoy. And the best news is, if you want to read it for free, you can at Mm -hmm. Cory Doctorow's website. So he makes all of his mainstream novels available for free online. So if you want to read it on your telephone, there are free copies and the link will be at our website, it will probably be okay.com. So I know myself and my co-hosts have a lot of pride in our work, but in light of the pandemic and the difficulty that is life right now, I thought we could lighten it up a little bit with some confessions. So I will start. Maybe you two have heard these stories. I, I think at least a couple of the ones that I have in mind to share, you may not have, but 
I'm going to start out with one of right once I got my first job out of college, which was at the employer that we all shared together. I shortly after that got a chance to go to my first conference and it was in Minneapolis, right across from the Mall of America. And as you two probably know, I, I, I love like architecture and stuff like that. So uh, not that the Mall of America is beautiful architecture, but it's huge. So I, I'd been there when I was little, but I've been years since I'd been there. So I was really excited um, to go again and check it out. So on one of the days where um, we didn't have anything to do in the morning, I wandered on over to the mall and I walked around. I think there's three or four floors. Have either of you ever been to the Mall of America? Uh-uh. I was there in the mid 90s, back when Snoopy was still a thing yes. there. Camp Snoopy. Yeah. Camp Snoopy was the theme park in the middle, which which plays a key role in the story that I'm about to tell. Um, good, good. It was rebranded as Nickelodeon back when I went there, which was probably around 2007 or 2008. I, who knows what it is now? It's anybody's guess. My ultimate goal was to ride these roller coasters. But the first thing I want to do is just walk every floor. It's the biggest mall in America, for those who don't know. Um, so, you know, I, I took my talk through all the floors, didn't really stop in any stores, but just kind of just took everything in. Was amazed that like stores had like multiple locations within the mall on different floors. It was really weird. So anyways, uh, when I got done with that, it was time to go on the roller coasters. And I had bought enough tickets to go on four rides. And two rides that I went on were new rides that hadn't been there before when, when I was there. One actually, surprisingly, had a flip on it. So, I mean, it, there are some pretty decent coasters in there. And then I saved my last two tickets for the Log Flume, which, Gabe, you may have ridden when you were there. Mm-hmm. And then just this this other giant roller coaster that they had that kind of has been there forever. It doesn't do anything too dramatic, but it really goes throughout this whole giant indoor space. It really covers the whole acreage inside the middle of the mall so that was what i was saving for a last that was kind of like that was going to be the nostalgia overload that i was looking for so i did the first three and i went to get on the last coaster and um i got in line and it wasn't a long line i was really happy i got in the coaster and um i sat down and i tried to get the lap bar down and it wouldn't go down and I mean, I know I'm not a skinny guy, but I've never had a problem with the lap bar on a roller coaster before. I was very confused. The, so this young kid, maybe 18 years old, that's working the ride came over to me and he said, hey, sir, do you want me to help you? And I said, yeah, sure. So he kind of like jammed the bar down and my kind of knees lifted up in the air and I'm just jammed into this roller coaster. And I was somewhat confused, but it's like, OK, well, this thing's going to get started. So coaster starts going kind of comes around a little corner and I'm, I'm sure that the next thing that's going to happen is we're going to get to that part where you kind of slowly climb up the big hill, you know, the click, 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 click. And that's not what I see. Instead, I see the track remaining flat and then come around a corner and I see all the parents waving to their kids. And I realize that I've gotten myself on the kitty coaster. <laughs> <laughs> So I am, you know, I'm wearing a, a shirt and tie with a vest. <laughs> Literally in the middle of the coaster, there's kids all in front of me. I didn't realize this before. There's kids all behind me. So I'm like this one creep that's in the middle of this coaster, kind of going around and around in circles. And, and you know, 
I mean, it had been years since I'd been on a kiddie coaster, so I didn't really remember how long it was. Apparently, like, because, you know, children don't get the thrills, they get to stay on the ride for a long time. So, you know, every time we chug, <laughs> I'm like, God, this has to be the time it stops. And, you know, the parents are all waving at their kids and then they're looking at the creep sitting in the middle and then <laughs> it goes past again. And uh, finally, the thing gets off and I run out of the, the place. That is, that's my, my most embarrassing work story, but kind of tangentially related to work only. Um, <laughs> I took my friend there the next day to show her what had happened. And I said, and apparently this coaster that I was on, it was called the Backyardigans coaster. I didn't know what that was at the time, but it's a kid's show. I asked my friend, I said, you know, you could see how I made this mistake. And, and she was like, yeah, no, I can't see. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It came to light at the conference that I had, I had this. Oh, so pe- people were talking about it. So I guess that kind of is how it relates a little bit to work. But, you know, if, if I go back and try to explain what happened, I think what really happened is I was just, I was just, you know, out of the space and I was trying to move really fast through everything. And, and I think I just, you know, I'm normally really good about stuff like that, but somehow I just, you know, somehow it just slipped my mind. And I don't, well, yeah, well, you could possibly known that the giant anthropomorphic penguin and moose were children's mascots. <laughs> How could I have known that? <laughs> There's no way. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I said there, there was a coaster there that had a flip on it. And I went on that coaster and that coaster was named after SpongeBob SquarePants. So like... <laughs> I mean, I don't know that the 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 coast character coasters were necessarily representative of the coaster, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. Well, I have a lot of stories. I have a lot of stories because I do embarrassing things all the time. I believe you were both in a room once where Upon being accused of trying to eat wings with a fork, I stood up to make my case, at which point the chair fell out behind me and I ended up on the ground with my feet in the air. You were there. So that happened. Well, in general, when one ends up with one's feet in the air at a formal dining experience, one recalls with great shame. Didn't you also have that happen with a yoga ball? Well, that happened often with the yoga ball. Like I said, the yoga ball. Like, yeah, like it's hard for me to pick embarrassing things because, like, embarrassment is my mo. Um, and you know, just occasionally you'll just fall over and end up on the floor, and you just laugh about it and get back up. Hands down, though, my most embarrassing work story was uh, re- directly related to hazing. So when I was in college, I worked at a long since closed uh, banquet and resort center. And I highly encourage everyone, if you're looking for easy money to make your, to make your way through college banquet service, it's like wait staff, except you don't have to care what the people want. You just have to do it and the gratuity is included. So like you can do whatever you want. Sidebar story. One night, the prime rib was real, real sloppy. And so we soiled all of our jackets and tuxedo shirts. So it was like serving people like like just covered in blood. Um, That that was awesome. Um, This is like my first week there. And I was in the setup department and our job was, you know, 
go put the table there and put a cloth on it and then hang the the skirts uh, around the tables, you know, with the little clips or the Velcro. Uh, and you would do that and then you'd, you know, go from room to room. And the staff there said, well, it's your first day, so you have to go all the way across the building and get the skirt bender. And I was like, all right, great. Uh, they said, go on over there, ask for Scott. Scott will help you find the skirt bender. And so I walk all the way over to cross the building. Takes like, you know, five, ten minutes. And I get over there and Scott's like, what took you so long? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, what took you so long? I already sent the skirt bender back over to the other side. And so I went, oh, okay. Well, he says, you better get over there. So I turn around, I walk along, I get back over there. And I get there and there's uh, there's Chad and he's like, where have you been? The skirt bender. I need the skirt bender. And I'm like, well, Scott said it was sent over and... And then Scott shows up around the corner and like people are getting mad and they're making eyes at me. And then finally, Scott, who was the leader of the group, you know, the the lead, whatever you call it. He wasn't a manager, but he was like the lead for that night. Gets real puffy and walks up to me and goes, <clears throat> it's your first night, so I'll let you off. But there is no such thing as a skirt bender. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone around me dies laughing. <clears throat> How, you know, when you said skirt bender, I started in my head trying to think of like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like you have to like bend the table skirt. Like maybe they're like, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I would have fallen for it too. Oh yeah. Well, cause it's your, your new guy. You want to be helpful. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was great. And that job lasted a long time and I loved it and we had a lot of fun at it. If that building were still open, it would probably still be occurring today. I mean, as hazing goes, that is like one of the, I guess, better ones. Like no yes. one was hurt. Yes, no. In that. Here's, <laughs> My funny story is one time I got assaulted at work. No, that's not <laughs> <laughs> This is my Morrison work story. I had just started at my second last job. And I, there, there's something about being a woman and you know you women menstruate. <clears throat> I'm really sorry, but this is my truth. <laughs> you don't need to apologize. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I am really bad at estimating how long I can go with a particular pad. Like, really bad. Like, because it seems like every month there's a new, like, time frame. And it really doesn't matter. It's like, I, I, I am always in awe of women who can be like, yeah, my first two days are really heavy, and then it kind of peters out. I'm like, that shit do what it want to do when it wants to do it. Like, there ain't no reason. So I'm at work and I'm like, shit, I can get this last piece done. So it's like 30 more minutes or whatever, like before I need to go to the bathroom and check. And then I go to the bathroom and I check and I'm like, oh shit, there is blood all over. What the fuck am I going to do? Because I need to like, how are we were a suite in an, in a building and so to, to go to the bathrooms, you had to leave your suite to like the building bathrooms. Yep. And there and was really, 
Yep, all yeah. the glass windows. Yeah. Oh, no. And there was no way to get back without someone seeing me. And like, <laughs> I just, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And like, like it's weird with like embarrassing situations because I get embarrassed really easy at the stupidest things. And then I don't get embarrassed at all at like what could be or should be embarrassing things. Not like super, super duper embarrassed in this moment. Like, oh shit, I'm the girl with blood on her pants and like I am 27, what, years old? Finally, somebody from my office came into the bathroom and I sucked it up and I put on my big girl panties figuratively in my mind and I was like, hey, um, can you go to my dad and get my jacket? I had a period accident. And she was really sweet. She's like, I mean, like most women are really sweet and kind enough. To yeah, about shit. I would um, yeah. And she went to my jacket. And so I was able to like wear the jacket because it was long enough to hide everything. And that is my most embarrassing moment. Oh. In- <laughs> thank, thank God you didn't have to try to MacGyver something. Yeah, I was really just in the bathroom. Like, I, 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 I don't know what to do. <laughs> paper towels and trying to, like, knit yourself a skirt, like, weave something. Like, okay, we'll do this and I'll pull this. <laughs> well, I guess I live in this, this bathroom so store now. My car, I just, like, I just, I... And then it's always a choice between should I have red on my, like, pants or my skirt or my dress or should I, like wash it out and then just have like a giant puddle usually i go with the wash out just because like i don't want to walk around with blood but like like you either piss yourself or you weren't enough of an adult to know like when you need to change your pad either way it's not like endearing Wouldn't it have been something if, like, we were trying to get a hold of you and, like, no one could get a hold of you and it's, like, now you live in that bathroom? (laughs) Wow, Nikenji started that new job and I just never heard from her again. (laughs) Yeah. So here's, here's my second tale. At the organization that we worked together, um, we did a, a employee celebration every year. I, I had to do a couple things for this. I had to write profiles of all of the employees of the year. And I think there were, you know, I want to say like 12 of them. Um, and they were having this fancy dinner for them in Madison. I was ostensibly there to take photos. However, I had prepared the remarks for the CEO about these employees in, in addition to being there to take photos. So first things first, I, I get there and you know, it's it's kind of like a mixer. So I, I want to go and start kind of taking photos of people just kind of hanging out. And I realized that the battery of the camera is fucking dead. No, no. So I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is just horrific. You'd almost sure. rather have discovered your fly was down. Right. And, and, and this, was, this was kind of like a little bit before the time that like your iPhone could take pictures that could, you know, be passable for a magazine or whatever. I'm in the middle of Madison, like right by the Capitol. And so like, the only thing I could think to do was just like, go find somewhere where I could buy a camera battery. So I like sped off to Best Buy and got the camera battery. I came back in time. There wasn't really anyone there that worked really closely with me. So I, I, maybe my 
maybe my absence I mean, like I didn't have any, I I had like two pictures of people mingling, but like my absence was probably pretty inconspicuous. It's time to start the presentation part. You know, the CEO is not the CEO that we all worked under. This is a previous CEO, very serious man. And he is uh, reading off these, these profiles that I wrote and he gets to to this guy, starts reading and he says, you know, so-and-so, you know, is very proud of x y and z and you know he him and his wife and the ceo said the wife's name that i wrote and the guy's like ah that's my ex-wife so what i had done (laughs) i had gone online to try to find this information and the one name i could find was this person's name and um i thought holy shit I'm getting fired. Like, this is it. Like I now, like they're, they're making like a big joke of it. And the CEO is going to be just totally pissed. He's going to come back on Monday. He's going to be like, what the hell happened? And, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get the name from anyone. I thought I found it myself. That's one of those. Yeah. That was kind of where I developed the whole saying of independently verify everything. Like, <laughs> you, you need to know, you need to know a hundred percent what you know. I mean, God, I just, I, I was thinking that whole weekend, like imagine me having to go around and tell people that fired and they asked me why. And I think, sorry, like what an idiot. Yeah. How come you were fired? Well, I just didn't call a guy. Yeah, I just did. <laughs> well, you know, the the stupid thing was I just could have written his wife. You know, I just could have written and his wife. Like no one said, Nick, you got to put the wife's name in there. I was just like trying to do the nice thing. Right. And uh, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's delightful. Most of my embarrassing moments have a lot to do with the initial part of your story like this like oh my god I said I was gonna do a thing and now I'm not gonna be able to do a thing because of this thing and it's just like oh my god this is like they're gonna see that I'm fucking competent and like what are they gonna think of me well and that's just I think being a conscientious self-doubter right like <laughs> I'm trying to frame that in the it'll probably be okay way uh of saying like yeah but that's what makes you such a good employee that you just assume you're always not performing to the best of your ability. At what point when that crosses over and becomes imposter syndrome, I don't know. Like I've always felt like there's going to come a moment where they realize that mm-hmm. I have been faking it all along. And and I think that's not fair to the expertise and the skill sets that I have developed. This story does not come from that place (laughs) (laughs) my first job right out of school uh was a house painter and that got paid in cash uh but after that i uh um got hired by a technology firm as a technical writer and slash marketing guy and I, I had taken a couple of marketing classes, but I didn't really know anything about marketing. Um, but I didn't really know anything about computers either. So it was OK. Like I could be a technical writer or a marketer and not really know how to do either of them. But I was willing to learn and figure stuff out. It was run by this really charismatic 
president. He wasn't the CEO, just the president. He was really charismatic and really a nice guy, very enthusiastic. I desperately wanted him to like me. <laughs> I wanted to call him dad. And it came real close to coming out at least once, but I was so like, I wanted his approval because like he and I could do anything if only, you know, all the stupid people around us weren't being stupid. And the company was pretty dysfunctional, had some, uh, had some problems, like not the least of which is that their technical writer wanted the president to call him son. Um, but the, this, this particular guy, I called him a nice guy, but he was in fact not a nice guy. Um, my first employee review from him, I was deducted points off of my performance score, according to him, because I smoked too much and was overweight. What? Yeah, well, they didn't have a strong HR department. It was only about 10 people. Um, and that was... That was told to me in in my review that, that I uh, I smoke too much and I'm overweight and I wanted him to like me so bad. And I said, yeah, that's right. I just accepted it. Oh. And then I went out in my car and I cried and then I went back to work. And then six months later things had turned around and we were, we, I was no longer was wounded and, and, but like I was sitting there bouncing on my ball, right. Cause I always have worked on an exercise ball. I'm sitting there bouncing on the ball and trying to learn how to use HPUX and I'm bouncing along and I'm, I'm absently eating baby carrots, just bouncing along, typing, eating baby carrots, putting carrots in my mouth, putting more carrots in my mouth. And then this guy walks around. This president CEO comes to my door, knocks on the door, and I turn and I face him, and I have a mouth full. <laughs> I mean, and not just like a little. Like I had just been shoving him in my mouth, just om, om, om. Like just you know how you just absently are just chewing up carrots and bouncing. And like I'm cheeks, like, like you've got, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like my cheeks were out, like there were two or three little carrot stubs, like, like <laughs> American girl doll teeth of carrots just sticking out all over. Like, I'm just, <laughs> it's not okay. And like, I'm bouncing and he talks in the door and he's like, Hey, can I interrupts himself? And I stop bouncing. <laughs> I'm like, my face must fall. <laughs> And he doesn't know what to say. And I just look at him and I go through it with carrots all over. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> and he's like, yes, you are. And he turned around and left. <laughs> I mean, he should have been happy you were eating carrots. Carrots, like by the fistful. <laughs> Man, to be 22, right? He never did call me son. When you're in your first job like that, you know, or your second, even like, you know, when you're young like that, I guess I should say, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're really eager to please. And, and you see somebody that is 
you know, in a role where you're like saying to yourself at the beginning of your career, like, oh, I'd like to get where this guy is someday and maybe you can teach me and maybe you can help me. Um, and, you, you know, you kind of you kind of look up to those types of people. It's hard to explain, but like it isn't that I wanted him to be my dad. It is that I recognized in this. This mentor mentee relationship that I wanted his approval in the same way I might from my own father. I don't know why these early career stories are so memorable to me. Um, but I guess you make mistakes, right? This was like very early on when podcasts were out and, and I don't know if the iTunes store would let you listen to them just over Wi-Fi or if you always had to download them or maybe I was doing it wrong or whatever. But my boss called me into her office at one point and she said, um, you are the number one user of data in the company. IS is wondering if it's like something wrong with your computer or if there's something that you're doing. And I'm like, um, like, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I like listening to podcasts, but like, I didn't really know if I should say that or not. Like, I didn't know if that was copacetic and nothing ever came of that. But it was like one of those gotcha moments where I just like, you know, you feel that like cold sweat and you feel like that chill run up your spine. Like, I guess I thought I was probably doing something wrong, but I didn't really know. But were you like, but were you like, well, did they? Yeah. I, I, I have misgivings. Like you don't monitor how much water I use. Is bandwidth not a utility? You guys know my philosophy on this, which is always has been like, there will come a time in our lives where we are all contractors and required yeah. to provide our own tools. And then I feel like that probably actually never will happen now just because, you know, the establishment is so entrenched in having us at their little cubicle farm. Well, this was pre-COVID, post-COVID. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's really telling of their commitment to investigating this that they knew you used the most data, but they did not know for what. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that part is like, how could you not... But in my mind, you can track all of this shit. So, like, how were were you just set up to see if he would lie? I I, I don't know. Like I like I'm not really sure. Having been also on that list and approached by the same manager, and had the same results occur. Except in my case, now at this point, I was bitter enough that I had when asked, I simply said, "Oh yeah, cool." <laughs> <laughs> I I really really because like at no point was I ever called out for this, and I don't even know like I don't know what the the mechanisms are for tracking this, but I just assumed everything I did at work was tracked. But my second to last place of work, I got to the point where the work was so monotonous and boring. The only way I could get through it was if I, I just watched TV shows and quotation marks and 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 movies and whatever else it it took to get through the monotony of doing fifty three posts or more per day. Uh, every single day and no one ever called I, I just always assumed at some point I would be called out for it or like somebody would make mention but like the sheer bandwidth I gone through <laughs> were you, so you were you were on the wi-fi yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> signed in with a credential and everything 
Man. Well, like, I mean, please notice me. <laughs> I don't know what their threshold is, but if like no one noticed that, or like maybe they didn't care, but if no one noticed that, then their threshold has to be pretty darn high. I know that that boss argued back that like as communication people, like we we use the internet and we need to have access to stuff. I wonder, I, you know, I guess, I guess it's kind of like, it almost seems like the policy is kind of like a don't ask, don't tell kind of policy. (laughs) Don't go around saying like, yeah, like I listen to Spotify my whole shift, but like, if that's what you're doing, maybe no one will ever say anything to you at this point. Right. Cause you've set the bar. So this is your standard number. now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Once, once it was okay. One of the offices I worked in had three modems that they shared between uh, one phone line um, for when we needed to use the internet. So, like, (laughs) if we were going to check our email, we had to say, okay, I'm checking my email. And whoever had the internet had to say yes or no. And then they would turn off their modem so then I could connect my modem. And... We had networking because we could share to each other's drives, but we had no persistent internet. And so when you wanted to to do internet, you had to dial up their ISP and it would connect and make that sound. And then you would, you would, you would, you would check your mail and then hang up right away so that the other guy could do that. I found out, through a meeting with my supervisor that in addition to having only one one account and three modems we also only had 10 hours of connection time (laughs) allotted to us to each person or the group to the entire (laughs) and without saying anything or doing anything i connected um, I got my an alternative dial-up number for my cable subscription, which was unlimited, and shared that network connection so that we could all be on at the same time. And you reprimanded was reprimanded. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Wow. It's so funny because telling these stories to people that are just starting in their careers now or, you know, Gabe telling this story to your daughter or whatever, it's just it would seem crazy. Like, what do you mean that every computer didn't have the Internet? Like, so it just had programs? Yeah, it just had programs. That's exactly right. Like, yeah, you fired up Microsoft Word. And if you didn't hit control S every 30 seconds, you would lose your work. So, what did we learn from our conversation today? We learned a few things. A skirt bender isn't a real thing. <laughs> so, you know, now we're never going to get played with that. <laughs> um, we are thankful that Mackenzie doesn't still live in a bathroom at her old job. <laughs> and we learned that it is cool to use the most data. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
I guess in the end, you know, I, I would say that it, it's not necessarily the the moment of embarrassment that matters the most. It is the lessons that you learn from those moments and and kind of the the growth of the resiliency that you have. And when you're able to look back at a moment and of embarrassment and laugh and share, you know that no matter what happens in the future, it will probably be okay. It's true. I have never called another one of my bosses dad. <laughs> <laughs>